my god oh my god we're back again uh, that seems to be the case that's it you know <laughs> i know i know <laughs> I'm man. so excited it's been so long yes you've been traveling i have been you're in tunisia i i have been in tunisia for a couple of weeks I am back in the States, chilling, nice. and uh, by the way, this is the video game hour. Oh, right, the video game <laughs> hour. I was just so excited to see my boy, Yusef. I just was so excited. Same, same to you, Tubby. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so we're back. We uh, are back. You know, game of the hour. We're going to talk about the very controversial uh, No Man's Sky. Yes, no sky games. for men. <laughs> no, no, yes, absolutely no sky for men. Uh, so we'll be doing that uh, yeah. a little bit later. Um, yeah. But we, I guess we'll start with the, what you've been playing. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Um, what you've been playing? Having been on vacation and working and, you know, not very available for the, the finer things in life, such as video games, <laughs> um, I haven't been playing too much. But because I was working a lot, I played a lot of Persona 4 Golden mm. for the Vita. Um, yes, Vita. That's what I was. That's and <laughs> so, you know, it's a good game for the train. I really can... Uh, you spend a lot of time in those uh, haunted halls uh, chasing shadows while you're just on the train waiting to get to your, your spot or your stop. So I've been playing that and it, it's great. You know, it's a it's my main thing. My main uh, thing I want to say about it is just that I am not an I was once a big RPG person, okay. a JRPG person. <laughs> and I I've long since abandoned that phase. So I haven't really messed with the JRPG in a long time. Um, and just jumping back into it i was worried that it was going to just be a slog a grind you know the problem that all jrpgs have and i think persona 4 does a great job at avoiding a lot of that just by the sheer variety of what you're doing in it like well, yeah tell me some of the things that you do in it you know so the game has you playing as a japanese high schooler and you're hanging out with your friends and you're also at in the evenings, going and fighting monsters. Of course, man. When JRPG would be complete. You know, an ups- upside-down realm, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the TV, it's very, like, tied to televisions and, like, kind of this interesting, like, kind of teenage approach to it where it's just, like, um, I don't know. It's, like, well, you have, like, your, your chores and your responsibilities going to school. I mean, there's, like, one of my favorite parts was taking the test. I mean, Because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they do a really good job of, like, kind of, Seeing if you were paying attention to the dialogue, oh, if you're just running through it, so they kind of test you on some of the stuff they go through in the in the classroom. Nice. So that was really fun, kind of trying to like, you know, get an answer right and just being like, "Yes, <laughs> I, I was got, paying you know, attention. Like, I, I I got this simple Wikipedia answer correct. <laughs> like I didn't even look it up. I didn't even look it up. That's like the great credit of our own selves at this yeah, point as totally. gamers. We used to have to dial like the tip lines, the yeah, Nintendo yeah, Power yeah, tip yeah. lines and shit. Man, but now it's like I give my I pat myself on the back when I don't look up the answer. Oh yeah, that um, is the real achievement. Yeah, Wikipedia or like whatever on yeah. any game fact or whatever. And so then you know, like, yeah. yeah, class life. So there's school life, and then you know, it's really like like also like a lot of art JRPGs. It's a game about friendship, about right, right like forging these relationships. Um, relationships and connections, and hanging out with people, and 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 kind of being there for people, and and helping them with their problems. So you kind of, and by doing so, you can then like strengthen each other in battle and you can create cooler uh guardians that will fight for you so you know it's like you have that aspect you can garden you can fish you can read books and study and like and this is all outside of the combat system yeah which is a you know a game in and of itself um so yeah it's just like really interesting i think that it's a it's an jrpg that that has that doesn't feel like it 
could have been played or it could have existed back in the 90s or whatever mm-hmm. like it totally feels like up to date you know like it feels like i'm actually being engaged and i'm not just running around killing mobs until i can get to the boss like you yeah. know i i'm sure at some point i'll hit like you know i'm just like what's the point of continuing to play <laughs> going through the cycle but i mean they they do cool things by even having it um work on an actual school year like right. you are right you're uh, like working through the semester so you know there was a testing period and now there seems to be some kind of school trip going on soon like a camping trip and that's like something that's totally new and i haven't come across before so you're really looking forward to this camping trip I can i'm see looking it. forward to the camping <laughs> trip you know like boys and girls have to be in separate um tense but go you don't know what we'll get get up to at night that's when right is not paying attention that's you know? right might have to fight some shadows that's, you know yeah, that's true that'd be that harry potter scene where they go camping and there's like uh <laughs> the, the death eaters show up i love this is like you know. quickly descending into slash fiction right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then we go to the girls cabin with yeah. harry potter <laughs> harry potter's there yeah, harry potter's exactly there. everyone's just hanging out yeah. it's a crazy party yeah so no it's it's i'm enjoying it you know i i don't play it consistently because it is like a train game it's yeah. like you know i i don't like sitting at home with a uh with a handheld device like sure. necessarily just like but for train rides it's great you know awesome. it, it, it really makes the time pass it's awesome. and it's well written as well yeah i mean like i loved persona i've never beaten a persona game but i played a few they're of long now. yeah they're very long <laughs> yeah. and i was actually gonna ask you as a follow-up like why you said you went through a period of playing lots of jrpgs yeah. and then you said you stopped uh, until kind of dipping your toe back in was, was there a reason that you stopped like were you like less amenable to the grind or something? I mean, it's basically about the grind and the um, the lack of, I guess, the lack of variety in, in the kind of interactions you have yeah. with the game. Like uh, it, the just the act of engaging in this like long battle when you're fighting maybe like a bunny in a bush. Sometimes, <laughs> like you know, the 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 I guess the the strictness of the of the system, like feel always, always felt a bit regressive like especially nowadays when like games offer a lot more different uh, like totally. ways to interact with it totally. so that's always like something i'm just like i don't see myself playing most jrpgs because they i mean there are uh, it's like you know like it's like a sports game or a call of duty where it's like there are games where you ex- are expecting a certain result yeah and you are there for that interaction and that that's totally loop. cool if yeah. that's like what you're into but like I like trying new things and like experimenting in the games, and I feel like Persona Four does pull that off. Yeah, definitely. Like so, within yeah. the confines of still being a JRPG in exactly. some very rote ways, it definitely. I, I had the same impression when I played uh, Persona Four, you know, a couple of years, many years ago before the Vita release. Yeah, um, and just yeah, loved it. Couldn't get through the whole thing because I, I eventually am ground down by the grind. Basically, yeah. that's how I usually end up like ditching a JRPG. Wow. I think that'll be a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. so, um, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Golden uh, on PS Vita. Yeah, I'm psyched for the new one to come out yeah. fairly soon. Absolutely. And then uh, I've actually, kind of as a weird connector, oh, sure. Golden was released on Vita, and there was another game that was originally released on Vita called Severed, which mm. I actually just picked up and started playing when it was released on the 3DS yesterday. Yeah, great game. Um, yeah, it was. it's actually, I mean, so far, so far it's, it's really fun. I like the sort of basic action-oriented mechanics of, like, swiping with my stylus to, like, go through these, like, sword combat scenarios. Yeah. And it's all, like, really directional, and, like, the enemy will, like, throw up these, like, visible blocks and, like, will sort of telegraph their... Uh, it's it's actually a lot like... Um, what was that game by Chair? Uh, uh, Infinity Blade. Infinity Blade, yeah. Very yeah. much like Infinity Blade um, meets, like, an actual, like, 
dungeon crawly, very linear in, in yeah. a lot of ways. Like the puzzles that I've encountered so far are very simplistic and the game does a lot to like hold your hand through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but really cool art style, very art stark. Great, yeah. I actually like the music a lot. It's like, uh, what was it Lunchbox? Uh, Drinkbox. Drinkbox. Yeah, yeah Drinkbox. Yeah, yeah. Drinkbox made, Studios. Uh, Guacamelee. Oh, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I still haven't gotten around to finishing Guacamelee. Yeah. I, I mean, really got to play another that. beautiful game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love the art style. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I definitely am excited. I'm only like, you know, 20% through the game. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's fun. I think it's weird. It's like, for me, I really am limited to playing it short burst style. Like, when I play it for more than 15 or 20 minutes at a time, it gets a little bit repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but sure. I do love picking it up and playing it and pushing the ball forward ever so slightly. So Severed is cool. It actually, I think, translates really well to the 3DS because mm. the, the stylus, stylus makes yeah, perfect sense. Yeah. It feels like I'm wielding... And actually, the sword in the game, like the art asset for the sword in the game, kind of looks like a stylus as well. I wonder if they changed it to I wonder, make it yeah. look more like a stylus for a 3DS version. I should look that up. <laughs> yeah, because it looked like very much like a stylus. I was like, ooh, ah, it's very nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I can imagine, I guess on the Vita, you were just playing it strictly with your fingers, right? Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. So it would be, be interesting to see how, maybe later I can see how, how, how it plays on your 3DS. Yeah, maybe if I let you. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't want to mess up your score. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to mess up your combos, yeah. so, no, no, you know. My, combo, know. <laughs> my combos run mad high, dude. Gotta... And of course, um, you know, part of why the game is awesome is the protagonist. It's like, it's really interesting, uh, yeah. this young woman who's, I mean, the, the stories, you start off with kind of her whole family is just... Severed. doesn't look good and then she's lost her arm <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. like it's just like it's interesting because like it's just like a cool i don't know it's like a cool way of, of looking at yourself as a as a part of the game like you know essentially you want it's not you're she's not the silent protagonist she is but she's not the the cipher for the player she right. like has a she story, has a story. Yeah. that you are uncovering through playing absolutely and i love that like in one of the tutorial flashbacks it's actually like they flipped the sort of uh the sort of the normative like male equals warrior class female equals like gatherer class mm-hmm. and like i remember very early on being impressed with you find your mother's armor mm-hmm. and when you pick it up you go into this tutorial sequence where she teaches you to fight yeah and at the end of that sequence you turn around and see your father and your little brother coming back from like harvest basically yeah. they're like carrying yeah. these big grain sacks or whatever so it's those little like simple kind of reversals that are, i really appreciate yeah you know it's it's the uh bare it's kind of the bare minimum yeah <laughs> and then, it's like, it, exactly it's like, the bare minimum this is so refreshing yeah just like even to have be able to experience it this way yeah but i mean she's really cool and i like i won't spoil it but like the way the journal the art style matches the narrative like oh, cool. and how like her like you know you you kind of witness her journey through the this like kind of like underworld like world of the dead sort of place it does feel like a purgatory of yeah. sorts or something so, like that yeah and it, it, there the, the, that team just nails the uh the purgatory i know the, man kind of the, uh, guacamole too with the flip yeah, yeah. to the to like the day of the dead kind yeah. of style that's yeah. really cool yeah the mexican influence yeah like kind of afterlife yeah which is very cool yeah. um nice uh speaking of another um I was talking about the, this, this act of like, a, a, instead of having a, a silent protagonist cipher, a character that you know you are witnessing the story of. I went to see a talk about her story. Oh, nice! And that was uh, a few days ago, and it was actually it was Sam Barlow, the creator, was over at Playcrafting at the Microsoft Center, and um, he was uh, just talking about his process making the game. And that was one of the things he talked about actually, which was like. You know, there's just so many games that give you a silent protagonist that is just has no 
you know, uh, no character, no yeah, almost like no yeah. agency outside no agency, of what you yeah. put into that character. And yeah. you know that and her story is a game that you know you are controlling somebody that has like inter- in some um, uh, a stake in the story that yeah. is being told. So that that was really interesting. Totally. Other, you know, he had some other cool things to talk about. You know, I took a few notes about it. You know, I thought hit us with the highlights, man. Sure, why not? Um, <laughs> he's he's a really interesting person like he because he worked on like legacy of kane which was canceled oh right and um uh silent hill like shattered memories which is a wii U, a wii game was it a was is it the, the wii, wii game or was it the vita game i think it was wii because oh, okay. you're pointing at the wii mode oh, okay, for a okay. flashlight yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah in that game which i didn't play but sounds cool if you're like um you know using the wii mode for an actual for an actual an yeah. actual game mechanic and not just as a bad controller skewmorphism <laughs> yes yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it makes sense. The flashlight, it's a fucking remote control. Yeah, so yeah. it like makes total total sense. Um, so you know, he's got a, a long game uh, developing history, and he also did write a lot of interactive fiction before oh, cool. uh, he was working at those, at those like AAA companies. So he actually has like an indie background before jumping into it. So he's kind of coming back. Yeah. Makes sense, like the sort of that that story writing or like you know fictive game like narrative game. It makes sense, like that like her story would come out of that in mind. It totally it does. Really yeah. feels like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess he well he was right, he was talking about her story as this outgrowth of like a long dream he had, which was to um, create a police procedural as a game. It's just not. He was like this police procedural rules the airwaves and television yeah. and movies. And, if you could like you do know, one good one by game, you'd yeah. like win forever. There'd yeah, be, like, like twenty seven <laughs> permutations of whatever NCIS or absolutely whatever the fuck it is. NYPD. They're wildly God popular. Knows. Yeah, and, like it's really it was it, apparently it's just really hard to convince uh, publishers to to pick it up as an idea of like huh. making not necessarily her story, but the idea of making a police procedural. So I guess once he went indie, he was like, I'm gonna make a police procedural. Like we're gonna do it. So like in developing it, he you know, uh, I guess he he, he came across. Um, the idea of just making of i guess making it oh what happened was he had watched like televised interviews um of people who were like there were a couple of really high profile cases where yeah. they had leaked the police interviews to the news or whatever and like just watching like a week's worth of it Damn. and just kind of going through that experience with a real life case and just like feeling being really inspired by that obviously because it's really interesting because yeah. What happens is, so, and what happens as well in her story is, like you, for the first half of it, you do you do try and figure out what's going on, but in the second half, you're kind of just like interested in the person's life, and you're just like, yeah. I want to know everything about the context of this case, and not necessarily the who done it, which is like one part of it. It like tickles your like inner completionist. You want yeah. to like fill in all of the colors and the composition, and know exactly what was happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, and that was definitely like that. What, what was going on with like what like why he, he made the game and Jesse talked also about like kind of making and like I thought it was really cool was like he you know had played a lot of shareware and like you know f- freeware games yes. when he was younger and like abandonware and had a lot of those games were missing their instruction manuals and and, and missing aspects of how to play them and you just launch it up and you're just like what am i looking I'm at in here? a system yeah. what the fuck do i do and that was kind of the experience you wanted when like players opened up her story because yeah. you basically started up on this computer screen and you're just like what murder like a few clips <laughs> murder murder that's all the, the clue that you have the i mean even that's like kind of giving you a lot to go on but it's very minimal and it's not giving you a tutorial 
or a you know a long drawn out explanation of totally. what's happening. So it's a cool cold open. Basically, the argument for like kind of cold open in video yeah. games, which is always awesome. And like a lot of how he describes it is this criticism of how most games, because games are so tied to software, like um, treating narrative as UX, basically saying like the player should know everything. The player should not feel frustrated by lack of knowledge. So that's how most stories are told in games. You know, yeah. you have like through your control five minute uh, introduction that lays out all the stakes and the backstory, and then you can start doing the gameplay. And so, like you know, there's that's why you know games like uh, Dark Souls are so potent in how they deliver their narrative because they hide as much as possible. Yeah. And he was saying that's what what's cool about games is that you can actually like hide stuff like a book, even like difficult to read and, and experimental books. Everything's there in between the covers. If you read from cover to cover, it's there. But like games have a much, uh, much more of an ability to uh, craft these like these multi-layered experiences where there's like a superficial and a surface reading, but then you can literally like explore deeper into the depths of the game and actually come like come out with like more of a uh, more knowledge than if you had just like kind of like. You basically come out with as much as you put into it in sure. some ways yeah, in terms absolutely. of like the understanding the narrative experience. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too because it reminds me of so many things outside of games where like um, when I'm starting to think about – I've been starting just some creative writing projects for myself. So I've been reading a lot about writing and reading a lot about constructing narrative. And they say that like one of the biggest pieces of advice uh, for any sort of writing is that you know your audience will actually learn a lot more about your characters through their actions than through your descriptions of them like of their personality, like action always speaks louder than words. So it's just a really interesting thing to think about it. Like you're saying like kind of UX as interaction and just thinking about how that like, you know, learning about a character through action is such a potent parable or such a potent, uh, you know, um, uh, functionality or mechanic mm-hmm. in fiction. Mm. It's a pretty cool thing. And I actually just started reading uh, a book um, by Tayo Fuji called The Gene Mapper, um, where it very much, I like it like lit up in my brain when you said UX as narrative because as much as I'm enjoying the the writing so far, it's very much a guy just sitting at his desk in the future, like mapping genes and like manipulating tables and figures. And a lot of the narrative is actually just coming out through his interactions with technology. Mm. So it's just an interesting kind of like yeah, parallel. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, he also talked about um, imagination and like, uh, basically he, he, kind of doesn't like the trend in games to make things overly photorealistic and and beautiful and um and representative representative but he made an fmv game man exactly that's so interesting that's why he likes fmv because it allows for you know he talked about an experience of like you know uh making some of his triple a triple a games where you would like shoot a scene in mocap and then this looks good when you're seeing the human actors play it, but then in 3D, you have to spend weeks or sometimes months oh, yeah, like to nail down the facial, the facial, uh, uh, oh, you know, animations man. and and so much of the how it's portrayed because it just doesn't carry carry through in the 3D. So he just like f- like frog leapt over the uncanny valley, basically. He yeah, was like yeah, fuck the uncanny valley. Yeah. like I'll just shoot full motion video. That's that's, the, that's his argument, you know, and in, like in, in the same way that things like Unity and Game Maker like open up game development for like not just giant companies. Like he's kind of arguing for FMV or just video in general as this like method for 
you know, a more independent spirit and like a more narratively focused spirit to exist in games because it's just not feasible to do it in photorealistic 3D characters. That's like, so dope. So with a bit of planning, basically, yeah. and maybe YouTube's uh, annotation hyperlink tools, we could make our own little... We totally We could, could make our own well, little branching narrative I game. I don't want to, like, um, big it up too much because I don't know how, the quality of it, but he was kind of representing this company called uh, Echo, E-K-O, terrible title. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but they're doing interactive fiction. Yeah, it makes perfect um, sense. And he's working on it. Apparently, he's working on... Uh, War games or something like they're gonna make they're gonna work in both the Twilight Zone, which Ken Levine is yep. working on, yep. Yep. and war games as these kind of interactive fiction series that are like it sounds interesting. Like you know, I'm excited to try it. I mean, I think it's a perfect like if we just look at the the sort of acumen and literacy of the kids who are growing up these days using these very very video heavy. Uh, social media platforms, you know, like your Vines, and now with Instagrams, like, you know, whatever, however long the video clip that you can shoot with it. Like Vines, Snapchats, Instagrams, all these things are, like, basically stressing video authorship. I mean, the quality and the, the again, the acumen and the literacy of people when they're creating just, you know, essentially UGC, like, yeah. out there. I, I can see that, like, <clears throat> we're, we're, like, decades past the camcorder, so, like, the everyday person knows how to point a camera and like make a scene however amateurish and you have like platforms like twine already where you've just got like branching story paths like mashing those together it really feels like the time is right like right now like it does feel that way it feels like like a perfect opportunity and as as kind of revolutionary in some ways in terms of opening up games to uh non-standard creators and audiences as twine is like it's still like a little bit limited by just being text and i agree um being able to then introduce video to it it makes perfect sense to me so i'm excited to see what kind of stuff that super cool man super cool yeah it was a cool talk nice man yeah and otherwise i've basically just been uh i'm starting to play i'm like really uh just skim the surface of deus ex mankind divided i haven't played too much of it yet i would say like no i just got to Gollum or whatever the like I haven't played concent- oh okay <laughs> I just got to like the second major location okay the hub the yeah the second major hub mm. uh, but I can say that like it's it's definitely they learned a lot from making human revolution like I have not yet encountered a situation that I had to violence my way through mm. and I really appreciate that because I'm just a stealth player um, and it's a great no to have games to support that. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, the major problem with mankind uh, with with uh, human revolution were those boss battles that yeah. they had basically infamous. farmed out. Yeah, <laughs> infamous at this point. Yeah, uh, they had farmed out to another developer altogether, and the other developer, I guess, didn't get the memo that like <laughs> this is a game where you could build your character yeah. out to not kill and not have weapons yeah. or guns. <laughs> and I think their solution was like, okay, drop like an RPG. Yeah. at the entrance to this boss fight. <laughs> Okay, drop a bunch of EMP like it's grenades, doors, the, yeah. and it was just so shit. <laughs> yeah. But so far, I've been basically able to like skirt around major, con- I think major conflicts. Uh, you kind of talk some people out of it too. right? Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I've, I've done. And it's it's what, what's amazing is that like we are de- we like Deus X fans are like constantly replaying like 
the memory of the first time we ever played the first Deus Ex. Or like replaying the first level of the first Deus Ex. Basically, yeah. You will always meet that, like, guy you're told to go arrest, but actually has a heart of gold and you kind of buy his shit. Yeah. You can spare him and it will come back around. Mm-hmm. It's like we're, we're replaying these tropes, but I think this is the sort of like the interesting thing that's happening with any sort of consumptible or con- consumable fiction mm. right now. It's that whole thing that people were talking about with like the Force Awakens and like the sort of power of like hip checking and directly visually checking your memories in frames, like recreating scenes or tropes that we want to see as Star Wars fans in the new film, mm. like literally, like visually, literally uh, recreating scenes. Because people who had grown up like on, uh, on these, um, these pieces of media are now creating them. You yeah, know, that's what's yeah. happening. You know, and I think there's something really, really potent about it. There's a word for it. I'm not remembering right now. I think it's like intertextuality. I think that's the the term that's been tossed around. I believe it's intertextuality, where it's like the sort of um, the sampling of it's like uh, a conversation within itself. Like yeah, within the older yeah, and it's like having a conversation with the old films yeah. while like referencing and while you know in in a slight variance establishing its own path so i think it's a really powerful trope i mean look on the continuum of things if we believe in entropy and we are in a sort of capital you know artistic community where we're like we buy success like success is how much it's bought eventually won't we be trending towards like a one call of duty a one madden a like one kind of game loop to like rule each genre and like we're just like recreating it every single year or slightly iterating upon it like i don't know like there's always going to be radical thought and always going to be crazy like independent you know thought but this is the market like this is a this is a yeah i that's i mean that's how the market look yeah how it's looking you know it, it's so expensive to make games now it's exactly. like way more expensive than it was before oh god yeah so it's just like and so much only, riskier and so much riskier if, if a new idea doesn't take off you're you're done yeah i mean look at bioshock infinite like a game yeah. that did well and still sunk the or, studio i mean yeah or <laughs> fuck fuck it you could sink a state man you got kurt schilling <laughs> literally almost bankrupting the state of rhode island which is incredible. because of that Kingdoms of Amular game. Like, I mean, that's a really bad move in there. That's a super Let's bad move. Don't trust a shit fucking, like a conservative asshat of a damn bad pitcher. I mean, I don't even know baseball, but fuck Let's Kurt Schilling. Bad I'm just going to fuck Kurt Schilling in the terrible racist ass. But yeah. sorry, sorry. Getting Fair off enough. topic. But yeah, we can bankrupt entire states of this union yeah. off of a video game budget. So it only makes sense that you kind of have, you will eventually and it already is happening this too big to fail consortium of game developers and publishers yeah. it's, it's like that's who we got and i mean honestly like, it was yeah. so funny too because this is happening not just in i'm oh, sorry this is happening just not just in games but it's like you know disney buying marvel mm-hmm. right like and the, the mcu expanding and then like there were rumors it's, it got swapped down later in the week but a couple weeks ago the rumor that like disney was then going to go and buy netflix yeah like, outright and there was like a bidding war going on and i just feel like in some weird, again, science fiction way, those are our, like, next gods. Like, if they grow big <laughs> enough, like, I can imagine, like, a hundred years from now, thinking about, like, the gods and monsters that, like, are these, like, vague memories that were established by these gigantic, you know, gigantic machines of influence, of cultural influence, like a Disney. Like, I mean, honestly, like, the way that some people will believe the news. You know, you'll watch Fox News, or you'll watch CNN... Or you'll read a really biased report from the New York Times. I don't even mean like in like the Trumpy way of like the media is biased. I mean just like in the very basic market-oriented way of like sure. these sources of 
opinionated journalism. Mm -hmm. And journalism, some of it is very full of integrity and good, but there's still an advertising schema. There's still a, a sort of corporate network that needs to that needs to subsist and keep the lights on, right? Mm. There's conflicted interests there. Mm. So it's just, it's an interesting thing. That's, uh, that's some what we've been playing. That has been uh, what we've been playing. And perhaps we should shift over to the well, game of the hour. On a lighter note. On a lighter note, yeah. You know, <laughs> nice uh, frivolous game, No Man's Sky. <laughs> uh, no Man's Sky, that is a game by Hello Games. Oh. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know what it is, which I find, uh, I'm sure are not, you know, not a huge portion of our audience. It's a game where you are essentially a space traveler. In interviews, they've said that it was a game where they just wanted to recreate a thousand uh, sci-fi book covers. Yeah. Which I think they were totally successful at. Yeah. Like, you know, the amount of screenshots that, screenshots that have come out of that game is, is really awesome. Well said. Well like, said. you know, it's just a beautiful game where you kind of hop in on procedurally generated planets and, and you know, exploring this basically endless universe of... Uh, you know, and in 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 the hopes of getting to the center of the galaxy, and finding out what's there, which I, you know, put my cards on the table, have not done. <laughs> oh, I definitely haven't done that shit either, man. Because that seems hard and next to impossible. And I mean, unless I basically opened it up and was like, "We're doing this." Yeah. Which I was considering, but then I'm like, that doesn't sound fun at all. No, in fact, <laughs> there was. I think by the time I decided not to reach the center of the universe. Yeah. I had also had to. I basically confronted a deep sense of sort of sedentary and ennui. You know, like sure. there was just this like feeling of like I I experienced it with the witness when I played the witness. Mm-hmm. But in this in the in the case of the witness, it was nowhere near as aggressively negative feeling. But this this sense of like No Man's Sky was the least urgent game I've ever played in my life. Mm. Like the day I bought it, I sunk like three to five hours exploring the planet that I was on. Hmm. Like, I didn't even leave the planet for my first session. And I was like, wow, wow, (laughs) whoa. But by that third to fifth hour, like somewhere in that time between three and five hours, I was like, I could already feel my wows and woes like fading. Wow. And then Hmm. for the first time, (laughs) I think in a very long time, it was almost five or six days until I picked the game back up Hmm. again. Like, I had no sense of urgency. Even though yeah. I'd never left the planet before. I was like, okay, cool. Like, when I'm really bored of my regular life mm-hmm. outside of games, I will go back and play it. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, no sense of urgency still to have to beat the game. Yeah, which, I mean, I think is totally fine. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely something to be said about uh, a game that resists the the urge of putting in addictive loops into yeah. the way it structures this game. Like, this is a game... In that many ways, doesn't care about you. Like this is a universe that doesn't care about you. Like you can explore it or you can not. You can l- live on this planet. There are some players who would just send tweets about like being like, "My first planet was beautiful, and that's where I'm staying. I'm never leaving." And that's kind of amazing. That's I kinda, so cool. yeah. I could see doing that too. I kind of yeah. wish I never left the first planet. Yeah. Weirdly enough. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, like it has a lot of these the same um, initial feelings as when I played Minecraft, where yeah, I you know you kind of you're just like so lost and you're just like what am i looking at here let me try and explore it oh my god I just fell into a cave <laughs> and now i'm just gonna like explore this cave and try and find the surface eventually and like you know come up way on the other side of the planet and then you kind of have to hop your way across and you know you're just like wandering and spelunking and tripping over cool cool discoveries and you're still on the same planet you know yeah. like 
it's like the space shovel feels like kind of a, a different experience in a different game in some ways than, than the actual planetary like it's 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 a game that is supposed to be about space but it feels a lot more I think it gives a lot more love and attention to the planets I mean, themselves. And yeah, I think you put it really, really well. It's like, it's no man's sky, and so you can't possess it. It's not really for you. It no. just exists, and you can traipse around it and do what you gotta do. And I do think that, like, honestly, still, the most exciting and most breathtaking moments are those where you break atmosphere when you leave, mm. and when you break atmosphere and you first... This, this glimpse the like moments, color yeah. palette of the planet you're going to be landing on it's when you approach the ground and land or when you are deep in space you know in, you know lost or like a great distance from the place you want to be at where the game kind of just loses its thrust it mm. loses its it, it, it at least it loses me like i learned a ton of words in all of the languages I, like, scoured the planets for every possible permutation of, like, building or resource I could find. And honestly, I, I just don't think that the, the the loops, which the game has, it has loops. I just don't think the and loops... And the loops. And the loot. Yeah, I don't think those are as compelling as just those tiny, finite moments where yeah. your brain tells you, I might be seeing something new or I might be discovering something crazy. Like, yeah hyper jumping into a different system i'm so, yeah, I always confounded yeah. by the beauty of the planets in the distance when i land then i'm like oh man here we go again and i wanted to talk about it in the context of the hype that was built up around the mm. game when it first came out so you know i wrote something uh, a little bit a little while ago about um basically the uh the way games <clears throat> sort of engage you in this narcissistic um like ritual fantasy too. of of collection so you had lent me the the essay by fudgy art called yep. the cultures of collecting and that describes the, the this kind of um neurotic behavior of people of in in collecting objects to help firm up firm up their own sense of identity yep. essentially you know the world is uncontrollable it's 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 hostile it doesn't care about you and then you can <clears throat> in your own home in your own personal space you can then build up a collection of objects and and any kind you know maybe like a, a collection of matchbooks or some cool old playboy magazines or just like you know movies or or books and any any iteration but i think games take it a step further in not only being themselves collectible but by giving you the opportunity to collect by proxy uh through the proxy of your avatar in the game so yep. like you know in your average rpg for example you're collecting your armor your guns and you're listing them out you're you know say a skyrim which has hundreds of objects that you can like hoard yeah um like individual then, useless yeah. objects that you can just hoard but they have use to you and they have yeah. value to you through through their application and i think part part of the immense hype of no man's sky was players seeing this game that promised them that they would be able to collect theoretically infinitely or forever they'd always they'd be able to live in this environment and hop around and be this space traveler this you know cool like uh bounty loot hunting figure that could then um you know collect forever mm -hmm. and essentially you know Baudrillard was saying that when we collect we collect ourselves like yes. when we collect we we um we make a comment on our on our own identity. So, to come to the edges, to the limits of a collection, is to come to the limits of your identity. 
hmm. which is something that pr- would naturally promote existential dread. Yes. Which I think <laughs> explains why um, in the existence, in the, in the launching of the game, you in, in the stark reality of what we have with the game, we have seen so much vitriol among the player base because they're not necessarily facing a game that's disappointing. They're facing their own lives and their own yeah, identities. Their own lack of their meaning. Own, yeah, their own lack of meaning, which then can like promote like a, a shitload of vitriol. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, the game, like we were saying, like I think with, with the game, it's not, you can't collect these things. Like you can't, um, these objects like don't have meaning to your avatar and thus don't have meaning to you. They like mechanically and narratively, like, you know, you can spend the vast majority of the game without anything in your inventory. Oh, yeah. On the basic shit you started out with, it doesn't matter what you accumulate. And the planets themselves, like, you can name them, but it doesn't matter because no one else is going to see well, them. I, and I want to talk about that for a second because sure. I, I think, you know, I was going to talk about the mechanic of naming planets, but when you brought up the Baudrillard essay, it really, and the way that you just described it, it made me realize that in to some capacity, it's not even that you're not collecting, you're being asked to leave things behind. Sure. Like for the player that actually goes around naming uh, any plant or animal or planet or system that they see, honestly, unless you're meticulous, meticulous about the way you play the game, there's a very good chance that you will never see anything that you have named ever again, let alone another player that you can't yeah. interact with. So in some way, there is this kind of, again, um, instead of existential dread, I'll say this existential slawing off like mm. sloughing off of like yourself if i and i did this just for the the free points and for the potential thrill of having someone see my my uh, witty words you know i like left tags on planets i'd like name an entire system something silly or like tavit was here or like future mayor or like you know el barrio for life or like <laughs> sure. even as utilitarian as like this planet has gold <laughs> like so that yeah, maybe yeah. i would find it again but honestly, my experience in playing the game was in conflict with that system because I was always pushing forward, right? The map doesn't let, it let doesn't you go back. It doesn't even let you go back. I mean, it, you, yeah. you could, if you again, if you were meticulous, you could trace your steps backwards. You have to turn that terrible, like, galaxy view camera around and find something that you recognize and essentially breadcrumb your way backwards, right? Mm. But honestly, all of that is completely dust in wind right like it, it doesn't yeah. last it's meaningless it's meaningless yeah. and i've seen the end of the game where it basically asks you one of the options is i can return you to the beginning of this experience but it'll be a totally different galaxy mm. like it'll be like we're gonna roll the algorithmic dice again and all of it's gone right mm. so it's it's an interesting kind of thing again instead of even just the lack of collection it's asking you to leave things behind that you will never get again you will never find again you know and that's that's a really it's taxing, you know. It's all of the effort without the expected return of what we expect to get back from a video game, which is a power fantasy, which yeah. is something that we control, yeah. which is something that we put our, our identity in and see reflected. And it's it's just an interesting thing. And I, you know, honestly, I will give uh, Sean Murray and the whole team some credit because I think the game is exploring these concepts. I absolutely you know? agree. Yeah. Like the Atlas Path is for that progress slash collection mind it's saying here's a shiny object that is worth a lot of in-game currency but hold it for some payoff that we can't tell you until you have enough of them and reach a place like there's your structure it sucks as like modern gaming goes it's like infinitely stupid and basic 
but there it is. And then there's other paths, the path of the, whatever, the two scientist guys who are like studying the anomalies and shit and they can push you through a black hole. Those guys are like representing science and like the scientific pursuit and like, you know, turn over every stone. Don't follow the mono voice of the Atlas. Like, mm-hmm. so there's definitely like some theological and some existential questions going on. Yeah. It's just, I don't think that that's what people wanted out of that experience, I guess. I think that's part of it for sure, but I also, like we have talked about it, I feel like the game needed to be more about that and less yeah. about kind of presenting this, um, I think, not necessarily a facade, but but costume costumage of being a big budget AAA game. Yeah. That like you know a Ubisoft type game where it's like hey get all get all this stuff and survive this world like you know let this game be like this cool philosophical meandering through you know a a, a wild random universe yeah. like that should have been enough but I feel like it was weighed down by one the expectation and two you know just being wrapped by Sony and being kind of like a flagship title for this system so they were just like. I feel like at some point they were like, we need to put gamey elements into this game. Yeah. And, and and I think that was part of its undoing because like, those are the worst parts of it. You know, the inventory system, oh, the, God. the mining system. Oh like, God. They're just, they're just chores. They're bad. They're, they're just chores. And like, we're, like you were saying, like you can mine, you can upgrade your ship. I, I was talking to a friend who was playing it, talking about how he like, figured out this economy to like trade to the best ship like he was like selling his ship to one guy and then buying a new ship so he eventually got like a super expensive ship and i'm like and, and then, then what, what happened yeah <laughs> nothing <then> <laughs> like then you were still <laughs> lost in an endlessly repeating universe yeah it's yeah it really like robs the satisfaction of accumulation like there's, there's it just doesn't it's not there i'm like not, and, and, yeah. and it and that's interesting i mean i think i think uh a lot of the the blowback against games like like walking simulators like you know or games that are, are that don't have an intrinsic game loop that are more about like exploring a narrative and exploring an environment there's a great space for that and i think um no man's sky could have potentially um embraced that space more but like i think they're probably a little afraid to because Absolutely. if they had done that it might have been even worse for them oh, well, I, don't, reception. I don't know here's the thing i keep thinking about it i think about it as a two-part problem let's say with the with the mechanical material launch of no man's sky as a physical product in the video games market the two biggest problems that i saw were actually not that e3 trailer that everyone talks about from years ago we were promised brontosauruses getting rammed by (laughs) elephant bulls like where's my piranha like fuck you stupid idiots that did not bother me as much as the last three trailers or something there were like a a triplet or a quintet of trailers that were like explore fight like yeah trade trade and you're just like no yeah like that the so hype was a problem right like the way this game was communicated just as you beautifully said if i think if it was wrapped up more as what it was this like weird meandering philosophical and existential portal into the minds of its creators really and into the covers of all these paperback science fiction books that one problem messaging and second honestly just the price point like yeah, i think if this game cost 30 dollars or 20 dollars, it actually may have been considered a game of the year 
Mm. And I, I don't say this lightly. I think that in a capital system, in a luxury class capital system, because this is like this is like new video games we're talking about. We're talking about like supercomputers underneath your your big screen TV or on your like powerful you know PC that like has a high speed internet. Like we're living in luxury when we talk about video games, yeah. and to that mentality to sell them a premium price point product that doesn't do all the things that they're expecting it, you're fucking set up for failure. Yeah. Especially when a part of your overhype was saying it can do all of these different things. Yeah, I think, clear yeah. Words. And that's it, really, I think, troubling in a lot of ways because I agree. I think that a lower price point would have been... People would have understood a lot more, but I don't know if they could have made it for a lower price point. I mean, from what from what I've heard from the interviews, you know, like... They busted their ass to make this game. Yeah, like, and then the studio flooded, and they almost abandoned the project, you know? And yeah. they put Sean Murray's house up. Like, yeah. And it just came out that, uh, I guess, Uncharted, like, or the uh, Naughty Dog, they crunch like crazy when they make their games. They crunch for like a year and a half at a time. Yeah, it's just like... Like six to seven days a week. That's, that's not human. terrible. It's terrible. It's not sustainable. It's, it's not, not ideal. It. It's not worth it. It's just a game. How many people die yeah. every day constructing the city of the future in Dubai? Right? Mm-hmm. You think right. about that. What is it? What is it really worth? It's mm-hmm. not. It's not worth it at all. Yeah. And here we are. Like, or here is that virulent, you know, Steam community and you know, online community, just like literally like throwing up their like lobster bisque and being like. <laughs> Bleh! fuck you <laughs> it didn't have enough lobster in it yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like oh fuck you guys it's a game yeah and like honestly not the best game you know as but, a game I mean, like, goes as like a studio's like second game but as yet yeah, as, like, <laughs> like for 15 people yeah to make a universe yeah that's pretty cool and that can like honestly like there is like there i can't really easily all the other space games that are either out now or in development like don't look as beautiful as this game. This game looks... Well, it has an art style, yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the aesthetic, the, the presentation of it is just, like, they knocked it out of the park. Like, it just... Like, the sheer amount of screenshots and, and sharing of images from this game, like, are, I think, in and it's, like... That in and of itself is it has value, you know, in terms of, like, an art object. Like... Sure. Because, you know, another old argument, gamers are always clamoring for games to be seen as art. And, you know, like you have this game that can just be seen as an object of art, like as an object that can generate art, like just by by your interaction with it, by moving your character around and like visiting these planets that even the developers have never seen an, a version of, like and then taking like these pictures that they could never have generated in their own PR imagery. Like, you know, you, you, like it's just, I feel like there's like the, this really cool intrinsic value there that, games do not appreciate and do not support or boost or, or or ask for like you know that's what what we were talking about with like you know deus ex like franchises win the day like yeah. old old standard loops and like you know the pre-existing expectations are what gamers are asking for and it's just like there's a reason so many people stop playing games after a certain point yeah you know, when they get old true. enough and they're just like i i'm done you know like i'm done shooting a million dudes on a corridor like absolutely i mean i think our brains i mean neuroscience proves that our brains crave new experiences and i think you know for the for the weeks that i played no man's sky very deeply it was a vastly new experience i just think that in a way the scope of the game 
uh, kind of made it impossible for the game to be diverse enough uh, in its multitudes for me to stay interested. Like, the experience was incredible for the first, you know, five or six playthroughs, the first ten or so hyper jumps. Uh, But then, honestly, the limitations of modern technology kicked in. Mm. Like, these are 15 people that were basically defining an entire taxonomy and genealogy of of creatures, right? And so there has to be a limit to which pieces can fit on which other pieces Mm -hmm. and the combinations they can make. And honestly, the the limitations of the imaginations of the art designers who wrap textures around skeletons uh, and all of this stuff. So, you know, I started to see those limits, I think, maybe too soon, you know? Hmm. Uh, And I think... And the weirdest part to me, like, honestly, the weirdest part to me of this entire thing, as the story of No Man's Sky as a product goes, the weirdest part to me is the complete lack of communication by Hello Games. Like, mind you, I don't believe in the the level of vitriol that's been, like, levied against them or mm-hmm. leveled against them. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, like, childish, yeah. like, how people, how disgusting people are acting about this game. But at the same time, I've made products... And I've made imperfect products. And at no point when there was a calamitous or or even a majority or even a minority voice saying in unison there is something wrong with this thing you've made, at no point did I ever consider not responding. Hmm. Right? Now maybe it's the scope of the of the vitriol or the the volume of the negative negativity around this that has honestly I don't know. I think I have an inner strength enough that I would be able to live beyond that. Mm -hmm. And I think Sean and all the team at Hello Games are probably living really well off of this. The game sold well. But I'm I'm shocked continuously now. It's October. I'm shocked continuously that there has not been an official communication about if there is even going to be a future for additional content Mm. or maintenance of this experience i'm just shocked and I, I don't know like if you even have a feeling about that like i mean i haven't i don't know i haven't like really given it a huge amount of thought like sure. I, I feel like they i mean they put out a statement when like a little bit after the game came out explaining or trying to explain where there was misunderstanding in terms of the hype and they did like hint at stuff yeah and they didn't yeah they, they said, haven't talked to you know we might it. yeah, just, yeah it's not over it's not whatever yeah I, yeah, I mean, I, if anything, like I, I can't imagine they—it's just them. I'm sure Sony's also directing how how the um, but, communication is happening. But there was them. that bit of drama too, where the Sony, the one of the like presidents or one of the directors, basically said, "Oh, you know, Sean Murray, Hello Games, they should never have overhyped it that much." There was an actual oh, they like, kind of threw him like under a, the bus. Yeah, <laughs> they, they really they threw him under the bus. When honestly, like it felt really weird to me that a publisher would be throwing its developer under the bus for overhyping. Like, yeah. as a... And I worked for Atari th- as a publisher. That's your job. The yeah. developer makes the game. Yeah. The publisher publishes the game yeah. and publicizes the game. Yeah. Everything public-facing <laughs> should be the purview of PlayStation, of Sony. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it to me... And I know this isn't even talking about the game anymore. It's talking about the product... It was such a shock to me as as a as a former video games professional, sure. as a guy who worked for a fucking publisher, that they so immediately threw the developer under the bus. Like, it's grounds for like, I, yeah, it's grounds for divorce. You yeah, know, it is. And I think that the only ex, the only current example we can cite is Peter Molyneux. Oh god, in terms yeah. of how, um, in terms of like 
that kind of uh, notorious kind of overpromising that that happens by developers, not necessarily from publishers. Yes. But yeah, so I think there was there was some comparison made there, of course. But yeah, I don't know. It's I think um, it's it's very like it's, it's a very poisonous discourse right now. It that is. It's just like it unfortunate is. Um, because I think that it just makes it harder to make games like this, and it is hard to make games like this. Like I'm sure, like you know, the whole process of it seemed kind of almost like they fell into a lot of things. You know, they, they originally just they were just aiming for an indie game and like yep. kind of got picked up and blown blown up and like I'm sure a lot of responsibility was then like mantled on top of that. Yeah, the so, Jeff yeah. Keighley early reveal of the trailer that's yeah. now so notorious. Like, yeah, and it's so funny because I. Th- feel as though the gaming public the consumer I, I feel like they should be wise by now all the like trailer gate stuff that had happened many years ago about like the the stuff that made publishers and developers have to start putting the subtext on videos oh, that yeah. this does not show in-game gameplay that this is like a essentially like a, a 3d motion graphic of what the game could be yeah like that's what that early trailer was sure. like that definitely was a doctored use of parts of a game engine to make a very cool trailer and i'm just not understanding why the community of people that are now so hostile towards this game like did it like get stupider like since then i don't know i'm sorry uh, i'm being know, so no, mean I, like, I mean i'm talking again, it's I'm understandable talking about the product because you're, and see, not you're the seeing you're seeing a lot of the well we're talking about the, the the culture that's surrounding yeah. it, the zeitgeist of it is very toxic and like um I, yeah i think that I don't know. Even looking at the trailer, like I, I don't think it's even t- it's even like lying that much about what you're doing so in the game. You basically swim a little bit. You go, you jump onto the land. You go in your ship and fly away. Like that's what you do yeah. in the game. Like, yeah. is it as beautiful? No, but like, it's pretty, it's pretty beautiful. fucking beautiful. <laughs> like, what do you Honestly, want? It's people? pretty beautiful. Like, yeah. And I, I think that's it's that's, samey. It's linked to what you know. Yeah, it's just like but that's, our ex- expectations of like. Versus reality and also versus economic reality. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so much of games running into an economic reality and expectations running into that. Where just like people, like the games industry is not a fun place to work in. It's not a place that no, supports it healthy is lifestyles. Not a fun <laughs> place to work, folks. You you think it is, but it's still a job and a goddamn crunchy one at that. Yeah, it is. It is and there's there ain't no unions. No, ain't no fucking unions, man. It's crazy how I mean. Again, like maybe. <laughs> Maybe we just can't promise the universe to people anymore. <laughs> Maybe that's the moral of No Man's Sky. You can't promise people the universe. Yeah. You know? I, I just don't think that people's imaginations were as lit as they should have been on this one. Like, I think the way that we started approaching playing this game, mm-hmm. um, I, we had this really fun thing where we were taking personal audio logs and like recording our journeys through No Man's Sky. I feel like the game required you to have a reason to play it. Mm-hmm. And that's life, man. Mm. Like, if this is indeed a philosophical and metaphysical, you know, treatise on existence, then damn it, like, it's not going to give you a meaning just because you threw some money at it. Like, every but time you would pro- demand, I know, because these sheeple, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> these people no. need structure to feel good about their experience they need a big fat you win and the funny part is they were complaining about the big fat you win Mm. one of the most consistent like critical review like tidbits was like negative points for like milestone achieved you like interrupted my progress (laughs) for 10 (laughs) seconds 
we've lost our patience, we've lost our imagination, mm-hmm. and No Man's Sky in a lot of ways not only proves that about ourselves, but it honestly proves our kind of innate hostility towards nature. Like, the game is just nature. Mm-hmm. It's code, right? But it's it's showing you a universe where you're, like, not allowed to put your flag down mm-hmm. and build a goddamn hovel. Like, yeah. you have to just look at it. The best you can do is, like, name shit mm-hmm. and then never see that shit again. And, like, we largely don't care about systems that don't care back to us. Well, they don't all, cater to they us. They don't yeah. cater to us. Yeah. They're not made for us. Yeah. And, like, No Man's Sky. It's a big middle finger to the player. Yeah. And honestly, the middle finger can be got around if you just find a reason for yourself to play it. Mm. Like, I just wanted to... Like, I never... I upgraded my ship twice. Yeah. And then I was like, that's good enough. Yeah. Like, I don't really need much else. I need inventory space. Sure. So I made a little game out of a couple days playing of, like, expanding my inventory. But these were, like, fleeting shit goals. They didn't, mm. like, make me a better person. Or a better spaceman. It made it made the efficiency of going to a new place and seeing a new thing, like a little bit better. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I yeah. Just aside from all this negativeness, I want do I do want to <laughs> cap off. I Sorry, do want to cap. No, I mean I think that is the nature of the game at this point. It's worth addressing, um, and I think we have. And I do want to cap off the discussion with our favorite moments of the game that we remember, um, and. I can start sure. just since I suggested it. And probably my favorite moment was my first water planet. So I went to a planet that was all almost all water Whoa. with like a few islands here and there. Like very small islands and then just like a shit ton of water. So I was like, oh, I never had experienced it before. Everything else had been pretty solidly land. Um, and it was awesome because the... Physics aren't the most realistic in how you interact with the water, but like the same, like, you know, the same action to swim to the surface is the rocket pack that can then make you fly. So I spent a good chunk of time just like hanging out underwater, under the sea, and blasting my rocket pack when I ran out of oxygen and just like shooting through the surface, exploding into the, you know, lower, lower atmosphere, lower stratosphere. And then just dropping back down and like kind of in this action that I actually do when I something one of my favorite things to do when I'm like bathing in the ocean or waiting in the ocean is just like you know let myself sink under the water and then just jump up yeah, and man. just like free willy it for a second absolutely <laughs> breaching like, like a whale man breach the breach it like the breach in this game is preach like, it preach the breach preach the breach um well, same, also you same get the, breach you, as, you also get the auto uh, top up on your jetpack fluid which is nice every yeah. time you come out of the surface um and the same breach as you mentioned that's so satisfying in you know uh blasting through the, through the atmosphere into the planet or yes. into space um that's ended up being reflected on the micro scale um in you know just like kind of you know basically hopping like a dolphin around this like little uh lagoon in the in the crazy planet that i discovered yeah absolutely i think my favorite moments uh as a as a grouping were the firsts like every first time i saw something Mm -hmm. that was pretty much the coolest shit like the the first time I found an abandoned station that had been taken over by those weird slime eyeball things. Oh, sure. Uh, the first time I found another abandoned ship and actually didn't even have the parts or the wherewithal to fix it and take it. Uh, the first time I jetted from an Atlas station and saw this anomaly, this space station anomaly, 
and went to it and then found the like scientist duo and i was like what mm. and it was always the first time the first time the first time and it wasn't you know it really the only negative experience i would say again my only negative really about the game other than the certain mechanics of like inventory and stuff were just the the rather narrow scope of diversity like mm. there was there was so much space there was so much universe oh my god dude so much universe but within that universe a lot of infinitely repeatable stuff so you know i think again my favorite moments were the first times and honestly yo sean and co if you're listening my only suggestion if within the within the mechanics you already have within the game engine you already have if you could make a rule where 90 percent of the activities are not present on 90 percent of all the planets in every system i think you'd actually have a better game you gotta like kill your players a bit get them stranded make it a bit more of a roguelike maybe cut down the distance to the center of the galaxy and just kill motherfuckers because like i think that's what people needed i think people needed a little bit less wonder and a little bit more death and that maybe says something about us as as a global community it it certainly does but you know we we have to we have to accept what we we are at some point (laughs) You have to come to terms with murderous men, and this is no man's sky. Sadomasochists. Yeah, I mean, we do. We want a little punishment. I think it's that weird, like, Abrahamian suffering. Like, Mm. we want that, like, Protestant work ethic and that Catholic suffering. Mm. You know, we want to put the hair shirt on. Fuck. We want work to be hard. Yeah, (laughs) grueling. I think that's why Minecraft works in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, that and the imperialism of, like, <laughs> putting up your shack. Of completely dominating a right. na- natural world. Yeah, and turning it into, like, hanging gardens or some shit. So that why, so that's why Notch is such an asshole. Yeah, Notch is a fuckface. <laughs> stop. Stop it. Just stop supporting Notch. He's such a... Oh, God. Why are there so many terrible people in the world, Yusef? I don't know, man. Maybe it's just part of the, the entertainment... The entertainment media that we've decided to engage with, video games. Power fantasies. Yeah. All of them. Dominantly. Well, I mean, I had mentioned on Twitter a little bit ago, like, somebody had, the activist Twitter had found out about Prison Architect. Yeah. And they kind of lost their shit, and they were just like, what? Are you fucking kidding You're, me? Are you, are you serious right now? Like, you are making a game where you run a prison. And, like, it's just so funny that that, like... I was just like watching it happen. I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense why they'd be mad about this. <laughs> this yeah. is really shitty. You mad, bro? This is shitty. <laughs> like, this is super shitty. Like, you know, we games like make us complicit in power structures. Exactly. Like, that is like the the implicit promise of games. Like, that you are... Go- like, that's why Prison Architect makes you the administrator, not the prisoner. Exactly. You know, and they have like, you know, expansions, but it's not the same. It's like the base, the reason that this game the exists. The vanilla game yeah. is power. Yeah. And organizing the servitude of others. Yeah. Well... On that crispy, delicious note, yes, we will leave you guys uh, to explore the infinite existential crisis of your, of your lives. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, check us out. Thank you so much, as always. Old School Brian. For our awesome intro. Ill intro. That's at Old School Brian uh, on Twitter. Um, and I'm Tavi. I'm Yusuf. And this was the Video Game Hour. <laughs>